Welcome to the Hayes Salespeople Podcast, where we talk to the brightest minds in modern sales and get their tips and advice on all things sales. I'm your interim host, Jenna Sachs from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople. Today, I want to welcome Chuck Marcoulier to the podcast. Welcome, Chuck. Hi, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for being here. Chuck is the VP of Revenue Enablement at FreightWaves, which is a leading freight intel provider offering current digital intelligence and context to the freight community on a central platform. He's also a founding member and president of the Seattle chapter of Sales Enablement Society. And in his spare time, he's founded and has been active in multiple children's cancer charities for the past few decades. So again, Chuck, thanks so much for being here. I'm really excited to talk about you know what's top of mind for you as an enablement leader. But first, I'd love to you know start with an icebreaker and get a fun fact about you for our listeners. Sure, absolutely. So as you said, um, I'm the vice president of revenue enablement, but for a long period of time, a couple of years ago, uh, went camping out in the Pacific Northwest next to some. Um, First Nation people, and they were doing a fire walk and fell in love with it. They invited us to participate in it. And so for the past 10 years ago, every summer, um, I do fire walking as a uh, sort of a summer hobby. Sounds like an awesome experience. I'd be probably terrified. But, um, so yeah, one thing that Chuck and I were, were speaking about prior to starting the podcast recording and, and you know on a previous call as well was just Selling in a buyer-centric world today and how that's different, you know, just maybe from past lives or, or pre-pandemic, pre-work from home, just different in general, I guess, as the industry changes. So, you know, Chuck, why don't you tell me what is your main priority as an enablement leader coming in to, to really make your sales process and your sellers buyer-centric? Absolutely. You know, one of the interesting things is I've, I've been a seller, I've been a sales leader, um, I've been doing sales enablement for the past 25 plus years, I guess I'm, I'm dating myself now, and uh, is revenue enablement, which is an expansion of sales enablement, is all about how do we improve the effectiveness, the efficiency of our revenue team. And that's from marketing to demand generation to sell, you know, new logo sellers, to expansion sales, to client service, anybody who touches the whole buyer's journey. And one of the things that I've seen is it's it's become a little bit more difficult. We had to pivot, you know, thanks to COVID in how we reached out to clients and how clients responded to us, how we, how we sold. And I've been primarily in SaaS software as a service sales uh, for the past 20 plus years and, and multiple companies. And one of the things we've been looking at is how do we, how do we make it easier for people to buy? Because if I sat down and I said, Jenna, you know, do you enjoy working with salespeople, buying from sales as a buyer? Do you do you enjoy engaging with salespeople? What would your answer be? No. Okay. Most people, and it's funny because when I do new hire classes or talk to sellers, I ask that same question. You know what the vast majority say? No. And I go, wait a minute. Why are you becoming sellers if you don't like your own kind of people? What's the first thing that comes to mind when somebody says sales? Somebody pushing their own agenda, looking at you as just a commission check, not even a real person who's just looking to push a product on you in order to close a sale and then move on. We've, we've got to realize that no one likes to be sold, but everybody likes to buy. So our role today, and especially in the age of the internet, is our role isn't to provide information. It's not to tell our customer or provide information around what our product is. And the buyer really wants to, to learn on the internet. In fact, Gartner's latest study will tell you that 42% of folks would prefer 
a salespersonless process. They want to buy without ever talking to a human being. But they also measured and found that the vast majority of people who did buy without ever talking to a human being had the highest rate of you know, frustration or buyer's remorse. Because we as buyers, we want to have confidence in the things that we're buying and we, we need context. We want to know that we can trust what we're buying. When you go and buy something, when you go to Amazon and you look for that, that special thing that you're about to get, what is the things that you look at other than the picture of what it is and the price? What's the next thing that you look at? Reviews. Absolutely. Why? Those are, those are strangers. Jenna, those are strangers. They, they, you don't know these people. Why do you look at reviews? I want to understand why the product has a certain rating, what, what I'm going to expect to fail on me, <laughs> um, you know, where the downfalls are more than the upside, actually, at the end of the day. And I mean, it's kind of funny that we're even talking about this specifically because that's how I met you, too, was asking for your advice on products that you've used in sales enablement. Just getting that external resource, even if you have a gut feeling or even if you feel like you know the product well, understanding from another perspective how somebody else felt about that or how they made their choices. Absolutely. And we do that. And that's that's one of the things that we we as sellers have to be mindful of. And that's what's changed a lot in, in COVID is that we have to understand really as sellers, what is our role? What is the value that we're providing the buyer? And what does the buyer want out from us? And there's three things, I like to call them the three C's that we're seeing right now, more than anything else that we have to be aware of, that the very best sellers are mindful of and building into their sales process in order to be successful. And I call them the three C's because they're consensus, clarity, and confidence. Consensus, clarity, and confidence. And let me let me break them down one at a time. So first of all, you know, ever since the Challenger sale came out, you know, one of the things that we're seeing is more and more buying teams. The buyers in business to business are not buying without multiple people influencing. Used to be around the average of six in the average business to business sale. Now it's gone up to eight in an enterprise. Ten plus people are going to be involved in the sale. But Jenna, there's only going to be two to three that you're actually going to talk to as a seller. You're only going to have access to two to three. But there's going to be a, probably another six or so that are going to have influence on whether this is going to be purchased or not. And, and what is the most common in, in what your team sells? What is the most common reason that it's closed lost? I would hazard to guess that it's the largest group is no decision. And even if you're talking about not even getting to close lost, right? If we're talking not even getting to that SQL or as we call it here in SDO, maybe it's just not getting the right person on the phone and not really having, again, that consensus, right? You're not speaking to the right people. And, and I know something that we've seen as, as well, sales loft in general, selling to like rev ops, enablement, those centers of buying are really the ones that are going to help push that decision along, even if they're not the ones you're speaking to initially. So again, to your point, you could get 10 plus people involved in the sale, but if you don't get to the right ones or get the right things to the right people at the right times, that's going to get, it could get blocked down the line or it could get blocked before it even gets off the ground because you don't have the consensus. The point that we're seeing more and more that I'm working with teams on is, have you verified that the people that you're talking to have built consensus internally that there even is a problem, that they recognize that this is a problem that they're going to be willing to invest in? Have you verified that who else is going to be involved and that they recognize that there is a problem and that the team is bought off, number one? and number two that they agree on the type of solution. Not that it's you or us, 
but they even agree that A, there's a problem and B, the type of solution. Because internally, if they have not agreed to that, then it doesn't matter who the seller is or what the product is, nothing's going to be purchased. Because internally, they're not going to get truly into a buying process. So first of all, you know, as sellers, are we even listening for, asking for, and discovering, is there truly consensus on the other side as part of our process? Have they done that? Or are we in consultative selling or even provocative selling? Are we creating the conditions to help them create consensus? That's a whole different skill set that we have to teach sellers to be able to do. So let's assume that they do get consensus. The next thing is, is that products these days, they seem to you know, feel and sound alike. So if I asked you, for example, what's the difference between AT&T, Sprint, T-Mobile, and Verizon? Could you tell me, other than saying coverage area, can't say coverage area, because no one knows what coverage area really is. What's the difference between the services of AT&T, Verizon, and T-Mobile? I was going to say coverage area, but uh, pricing and how well it works. We don't really know. Okay, because they all seem pretty much the same. They all work on the Apple iPhone. They all work on the, you know, the Samsung. And that's the thing. We, when we're selling, have to realize that whether you're selling data on my side or whether you're selling what you folks sell is you and your closest competitors, for the most part, 80 plus percent, 75 percent, 70 percent, look and sound exactly the same. Technology-wise, feature functionality-wise, one is red, one is blue. They all have the basic capabilities. And the customer can't tell the difference. And if the customer can't tell the difference uniquely what the difference is, they're reluctant to make a decision because they don't want to make the wrong decision. So they decide to make no decision. In that case, it also could be, hey, the feature parity is the same, even someone who's used both of those things, right? I think there's also an element of that that comes really back to the experience of the sales process and how you're being driven through that. Exactly. And, and part of the key is, is that if you go back and you listen to, I don't know if you use any conversation intelligence tool, a call recording tool. We are a conversation intelligence call recording tool. Yep, you have your own part of it. But you know that the, uh, if you listen to the calls, the vast majority of the time of our sellers are talking about the features and functionality that are exactly like our competitors. So one of the things that we have to be good at and teaching our sellers on is what is the distinct difference? So your conversational intelligence tool. How is that different than the other tools? What is uniquely and distinctly different? What is the competitive advantage or your point of view that makes your tool different than a gong or you know, a separate you know, tool or something else that's integrated in it? That's what they have to f- sort of highlight and focus in on and make sure that they're emphasizing. Because as a buyer, as we do our research as buyers, we're going to get the, the parity of what everybody else has. That's going to be the ground's going to be laid pretty quick. But what we really want to know when we engage with a human being is, what's that unique and distinct difference that we should be paying attention to? Why does this tool play differently than the others? And who uses it best? Because you have customers, the other folks have customers. Why are their customers their customers? And why are your customers your customers? That's what we really need to help them do. Knowing that we're not going to get everybody in the marketplace, but we are looking to get the right customers. Which goes to the third point, which is confidence. We've always got to sit there and and have our sellers think that, hey, the person on the other side who's buying in a business-to-business scenario is betting their reputation, they're betting possibly their job, that 
if they go with your solution, that it's going to work as you told them that's going to, that it's going to have the impact that you told them it's going to. And so one of the things in the back of their mind, they're going, hey, if we really do go through with this, if I get the other eight to 10 people, if I, if I raise my hand and say, absolutely, we have to do this, this is the right thing we're going to do, it's going to have an impact, I sponsor this. How do I know I can trust fill in rep's name and fill in company name? How do I know I can trust them? Because if I don't feel confident, if I don't feel emotionally like I can trust that, that individual, I'm not going to put my reputation up for it because most of these deals are five figures, sometimes six figures. These are major deals. And I only get to bet on one or two of these while I'm at a company. So I, I better make sure that I'm doing it right because everybody's going to remember the screw up if you get the wrong thing and it doesn't implement and the, the field never wants to use it. So how do we build that confidence in the process to help the buyer understand we're going to take care of you? that these differences that we have in the clarity make our, our unique and add value and that we can address that consensus and help you build that consensus inside your organization. And so the three C's, you know, really in a buyer-centric process is we've got to think about how do we facilitate and make it easy for them to buy and then take them along. It's not so much about our sales process as it is building a process to listen to the buyer and how they want to buy and then providing them the right information for where they are within the buying process. Are they early on and trying to understand what the heck is this kind of technology to, oh, I understand what the technology is, but how would I apply it internally? Meaning I need stories, I need reviews, I need, you know, what were the criteria that other people looking at and what should I be looking at? And it's educating on the broader market and just the basic capabilities of this family of solutions to then the selection phase where it's really about how are you individually different and how is your company going to take? And if we do a good job of taking them along the natural cycle of the buying, then they're going to trust us so that they want to, of course, engage with us. Right. And I think that's also a really important thing like you said, revenue enablement, right? And just revenue as a whole. And what is that customer journey? What are all the touch points from anything from marketing demand gen to post-sales and customer success, not only just what's happening in that sales process. I think that also instills a lot of confidence in the buying decision as well, because you're able to say, when I sign a contract with this company, I'm getting X, Y, and Z, not just the product, but I'm getting this service. I'm getting you know, this, this help rolling things out, onboarding, you know, implementation, all those different pieces that really make, you know, I think that's a big factor in making that decision as well. But if you don't have a good experience up front, you might not even get to the, to all the details of what you're actually receiving in the end. Absolutely. How many times have you, you worked with a company and you felt like it was two different companies? You, you bought from one company and then you got handed over to the implementation and service and it felt like it was a totally different company. Too many times to count. Even, I mean, I've even had that within the buying process, right? I've had demos and discovery calls or where I did a dis whole discovery call with somebody and then the demo was just completely something different. And I've had to end that call and be like, look, you didn't listen to me and we're not on the same page and this isn't going to work for us. Buyers will vote whether the seller is actually listening to them. Listening and responding have become such key critical skills. You know, I, I often tell my sellers, hearsay is not admissible in the court of sales. If you have not heard them actually say it, you don't know it. You have to go back 
and get them to say it and listen, really listen. Right. And it might not be in the order that you're expecting it to be in, right? We put a sales process in place because we want people to follow it. But at the end of the day, the one who listened to me won out. Absolutely. We are emotional creatures. We vote with emotion more than we do. We use logic to justify the emotion. But in the buying process, we have to understand the buyer's mentality is, do I feel comfortable that this person is working with me the way that I want to buy? Going back to, we live in a digital world. So is the digital on the website information consistent with what the seller is telling me? And if there is along that buyer's journey, then we can create that confidence and that trust for the entire team that is going to be using this service and product. We have to delight them and hit that impact point in order to expand the overall relationship. Right. You want to set them up just for the most success humanly possible from the beginning. And I think it's appreciated at the end of the day, right? Nobody wants to change a provider in a year, but if they're unhappy, they will. Absolutely. And, and it's also sitting there and thinking about who within the buyer's process can you connect them to, to help them understand how this, your product is best used? You know, who's using this and how is it best used? You know, one of the books we had, we had talked just before we had gotten on, one of the books that I love going back to is The Transparency Sale. And one of the things uh, Capone talks about in the transparency sale is, are you upfront and saying, hey, I just got to let you know, be- Jenna, before we get too deep in this, there are a couple of things that people ask me that we don't do. But if you're looking for these other things, here's what we do well. The best thing someone can say to me is to not waste my time if they can't solve my problem, right? And I, I experienced that you know, multiple times in multiple sales processes where people are like, yeah, 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 we could do all that. We could do all that. And then again, get to the you know, demo call and it just misses the mark. But I've had people in those same processes where I've reached out to multiple competitors and said, hey, here's what we want to do. Here's our limitations. What can you do for us? And they're like, look, it doesn't feel like this is the right fit for us at this time, but I'd love to stay in touch later. And, and I would go back to those people if those limitations were lifted on maybe it was my end or their end, or if there were product developments, I would go back to them because I respected the honesty and transparency from day one and you not wasting my time. Yeah, I've, I've gone through too, because oftentimes when they say, hey, this doesn't feel like a good fit, I always turn around to the curious, curious question and go and say, okay, so what are you folks good at? What should I be looking at you for? Here's the areas where we're going to delight our customers. And if you're okay with that, then we'd love to do business with you. Yeah. And I think you see that a lot more too, as companies go to more of that platform play, right? They might start with one product. Like for example, we started with cadences. And we got really good at cadences. And then we added in conversational intelligence and now we're adding in forecasting, right? So again, really finding the problem and understanding what their specific needs are, how you can fill that in and also expose, look, these are some of the gaps. Absolutely. And it's always easier internally to expand a relationship that's already in place if they have a decent solution for a new problem as it comes up. Yeah, great point. So, I mean, one other thing we just touched on what assets do you think are the most important to really creating that full-fledged experience and making sure that you're having that reach beyond just the initial maybe champion or a couple of stakeholders that you're hearing? I think one of the things that we have to be cognizant of, do we make tools simple and easy for our champion or someone on the buyer side to then take and evangelize on their side to the other people that we're never going to talk to? And I always like to say executives like great sellers are ADHD children. Meaning, you know, they have about two and a half 
minutes worth of attention span. So do we create good videos? I mean, think about what do you watch? What are you willing to take a look at in order to get the idea of what this is? And all you really need is the concept of what this is or how this fits. So are we creating good tools, you know, video tools? Are we creating good digital tools like microsites in order to be able to go and have that full digital experience where all of the, you know, the copy of the call that we just had or the deck or a couple of proof points. You know, I, I'm going through a buying experience right now where I'm looking for a learning management system to buy for my own organization. I have one seller who's doing a fantastic job. I'd asked her a couple of questions and she said, Chuck, I don't know. But within 24 hours, she creates a little loom video and she goes, I just talked to my sales engineer and her little video is there and she's walking me through. Here's how we would be able to do it in our, in our process. It's 47 seconds, but she answers exactly what I'm asking for. And I have so much respect for her. So with the advancement of tools that we have for our sellers, let's be smart. Let's create that experience the way the buyer wants to buy and give them the experience that they want. As long as that product meets my criteria, I want to go with her because she's creating that digital experience that I want to have. And one of the things I'm constantly teaching my sellers is to make sure that from our very first discovery call, are you documenting these things? Are you creating that mutual buying plan? or mutual action plan where you're saying, okay, so Jenna, here are the things that I understood that you're trying to accomplish. Here's some of your critical dates. Here's the, the criteria that you're going to look to us about for the, the product, whether it's something you want to address. And here's what you're looking for in a provider. Did I get those things right? And you have these touchstones that you keep coming back to in order to stay aligned with you know, how they want to buy, but knowing at the same time that things change and that it's going to be fluid. But if you create that digital experience and you come back to the, the things that are most important to them, then you stand a chance. I love that. And it goes back again to just listening, right? You're, you're listening to what those needs are. So we're, we're coming up on time for sure right now. So uh, I would love to just leave our listeners with one final thought or you know something that's top of mind for you. I know that you just started your role a few months ago in your current company, but I know that you've had years and years of experience in sales roles and enablement roles and leadership. When we were talking before we started recording, you mentioned this was your fifth pre-IPO company. And I would just love to know, what is your first go-to when you come into a company where maybe there's not an enablement function built out fully or you see what those needs are? What is the first move when you get in that door? I look to see sort of what, what is the sales process? because that's the great indication of what is the language that you use for your recipe guide on how we sell here. So what's the handoff from each stage and what's the X criteria for each stage? Because that's going to tell me how you make the cookies. Is it, is it the wild, wild west? My specialty these days seems to be you know, going into pre-IPO companies, series B to series C, where it's been entrepreneurial, they're starting to build. Um, their sales teams, and they really don't have a lot of definition, and they're bringing me in because they realize that in order to really accelerate, they're going to have to build definition in. And so the first thing that I've learned to look at is, okay, so they've been successful up to this point to get to the point to try to hire someone like me in. So what's the baseline recipe? They're cooking something good here. That's what attracted me. But so what is the current definition of how things are? And that's going to give me a good good indication of how much building I'm going to have to do. How, how much are they winging it versus how much is a systemized programmatic process that we can then expand and build upon? 
Because from a foundational good sales process and a good sales book, then we can start building the skills and the tools and the hiring criteria and the expansion criteria and the metrics all around. But it all boils down to that real essential, probably one page document of how do you define the sales process? That'll tell me what is your religion? What is your philosophy? Yeah. And does it contain consensus, clarity, and confidence? Thank you again for being here and taking the time. If somebody does want to get in touch with you, whether it's their interest in freight waves and sales enablement society and any of your charity work, or just to talk about anything, firewalking maybe, um, what would be the best, best way for someone to reach out to you? Drop me a note. You can find me on LinkedIn, Chuck Marcoulier on LinkedIn. Um, easy to find there. Connect with me out on LinkedIn or drop me a note at cmarcoulier, first initial, last name at freightways.com. Great. Thanks so much again. Yeah, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Hey, Salespeople is a production made in partnership with Frequency Media. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are found. Thanks for listening to the Hey Salespeople podcast.